Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So as we go into this today, I just want to share um, a couple of things with you. Since it is the day of Pentecost, I want to read something to you from Acts chapter 2. I, I don't know if I, I'm going to put a picture up for you, but I'm going to read the, the context of the scripture for you. And we're still in, a, still in a series called The Armor of God, and today we're going to talk about the seventh piece of armor, okay? And you may be, if you read it in Ephesians, you may go, what, what, what? I'm going to give you the seventh piece of armor today. But I want to read you Acts chapter 2 first, because I think this is very important that you hear the, the scriptures for yourself, because it is a, um, wasn't intended for it to happen this week. We did not plan youth camp to fall on the week of Pentecost. It just so happened. But I want you to hear this from, from Acts 2, and I'm just going to read this to you. And if you guys have this image, I'm going to put this on the screen. for Yeah, there you go. So this image that you see, and I'm going to read this from a New Living Translation only because um, it reads a little, bit, a little bit different. And I like the way it, it reads. <clears throat> but in this image right here, what you see that we put up here for you, this is, you can obviously see the Mediterranean Sea. The, the green is actually the sea. The blue is actually the land. I don't know why these people who design maps do this. Like, why don't they just make it, they should make it code. All waters should be blue, like period on a map. It's confusing. But anyway, the Mediterranean Sea, obviously that's the sea. Everywhere you see a name listed is the, the Jewish, what we call diaspora. What it means is the Jews that left. They were spread out throughout the known world. What you need to understand is in our context, there was no United States of America in operation at that point. Were there people here? Probably so. People traveled. We act like we, you know, we've done something because we made some boats and can travel the seas. People travel the seas all the time. I mean, just go watch Moana. She'll tell you. Okay? They, they were voyagers. Anyway, sorry, just had to watch that with Piper. Not, all these listed names, these are everywhere. You have Italy over here. Over here is Southeast Asia on this end of over here. You have Egypt and up north over this way, there's Greece and other regions. Turkey and all that, and Macedonia, all these old names, but these are people that spread all over the known world. And on the day of Pentecost, these pilgrimage feasts, there's three, there's Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, but on Pentecost, they all came back to Jerusalem. They got on boats, they got on camels, they did whatever they had to do, and they came back on the day of Pentecost, not for what you might be thinking, a denomination that you're familiar with in the states that's not what pentecost is that is a denomination just like baptist pentecostal methodist it's all denominations but it's not that is not what we're talking about when it, the day of pentecost so in acts 2 when the bible when i read this to you think about this all of those people paid money to travel back to jerusalem which is not an easy travel by the way for the day of Pentecost, or the week of Shavuot, is what you would say it in Hebrew. It's the week of first truth. It's a time of celebration. They're giving to the Lord the first of their harvests. But when the day of Pentecost finally came, people were in Jerusalem. And this is where we read Acts 2, okay? So on the day of Pentecost, this is some translation, when the day of Pentecost fully came, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And this one place, you can still go there today in Jerusalem. It's called the Upper Room, but it's still there. Where you would go is a, 
a room that has been pancaked, if you will. There's about three layers that's been built on top of it. But they have actually found the first floor excavation in the place where they believe, more than likely, because it's the first floor and it's a lot of excavation there, that is where they would have met with Jesus. But it's a proven thing, undisputed. So when I read this to you, this is not somebody who just made up some story. This is a true place. You can still go there today. I've been there, seen it myself. And if you believe the fact that, you know, all the other history that you study, uh, you should believe in the if, the, if the, if the, if the way that they find and excavate works in every other area, we should believe the Bibles as well. I mean, if you're going to believe the fact that dinosaurs roamed the earth, but you don't see anymore, but you see fossils and how they carbonate fossils, why wouldn't you believe in the excavation of biblical archaeology? So he says, this is where they were in one place, this upper room. And suddenly, because it's the day of Pentecost, I'll get to it in a moment. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Now, this is a group that's on their own, but there's a whole number of people that are in Jerusalem from all of the known world. These folks are in the upper room, but all these other people are buying, selling goods, having fun, eating, drinking, just enjoying the week of party. Imagine this without the sin. The best party you think comes to my mind that maybe everybody knows, Mardi Gras, okay? It's kind of without the sin, okay? Can you just go with me there? Without the sin, they're just having a good time, loving Jesus, maybe not loving Jesus, but loving God, celebrating, but without the crazy sin, okay? Can we kind of get that? It's a party. And it says this, that then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And every one present was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Watch this. Now, at that time, there were devout Jews from where? Everywhere. Every nation, if you will. All over that map. That were... Or so, that were living in Jerusalem, when they heard the loud noise, and what it means when they say living in Jerusalem, they had gathered there. They were staying there from all over the world. That's what it means. They came back there. doesn't mean they, they might have been in hotels and inns and friends' families, but all of them were there. They were staying there is a better word maybe than living there. And it says this, when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running from outside in the city. They hear all this. What's going on up there? So they hear them speaking their own languages by the believers. These are Christian believers that are now speaking in other languages, giving praise. By the way, in case you ever heard this whole thing about praying in tongues, that is, oh, it's of the devil. If it's of the devil, then why would God say right here in his word, they were giving praise and glory to God? It is not a, don't buy this thing. I understand maybe you don't pray in tongues. That's fine. Not everybody does. Paul clearly says not everybody's going to. That's fine. But my point is, please don't believe the lie of the enemy that says, well, if people do, it must be of the devil. If it's of the devil, why is he giving praise and glory to God? There's no way the devil's giving praise and glory to God. But these believers were. And here's the crazy thing. Everybody from this known world was there, and they heard them in their own language, which is why it's different in our culture today. You're not surrounded by a multicultural environment. Yes, we have a few different ethnicities, but this is not New York City. You want to see ethnicity, go to New York. You will see a 100 different nations right there. This would be like that equivalent. So they hear all this. They see all this. And it says this. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they said. Watch what they did. Kind of poking fun at them. Imagine now these guys are all from Rome, Georgia. Okay, These people are all from Galilee. 
That's kind of like saying, y'all are from a small country town. We're from New York. How is it possible that you guys can speak all these languages? <laughs> you get what I'm saying, right? They're kind of poking fun at them where they're from. You're little country folk. And yet we hear them all speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Watch the names that they call out. Are you ready? It's all on the screen, every one of these nations. Here we all are. Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya and Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about, watch this, the wonderful things that God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they said to each other. Then the people always look at this and they take this totally out of context. But some were there and they said, oh, they're just drunk, that's all. And they make this whole thing about it, and so no one wants to talk about it because oh, they say, well, it's just crazy people. It's not. There were other people there who said, oh, they're drunk. But the rest of the people there said, we hear them declare the mighty works of God. Why is it that we always avoid that part and focus on the part that the weirdos think they're drunk? Oh, they're just a bunch of drunk people. That's like you seeing people out in the street and going like, look at that drunk guy over there. He's crazy. That's what they were saying. Versus people who were believers saying, I hear them declaring and giving glory to God. Isn't it funny how the devil wants to twist things where you won't pay attention to the part that is of God, but will pay attention to the part of some weirdo. And there he goes like, oh, they're just drunk. Pastor, why would you say that's weird? It's a, they just wrote down what the guy said. Because Peter had to come up and explain later and said, they're not drunk. They're not. That's what you think. But this is what the prophet Joel spoke. And he said, in that day, I will pour out my spirit. Watch this. On all flesh. Your sons, your daughters, your young men, Pastor Stephen, old man, all flesh. He's going to pour it out. And what I wanted you to see is just this morning, I... We didn't tell him what to say. Amara didn't ask her. I didn't know what she's going to say. Tell Andrea what to say. Pastor Stephen, whatever. They just spoke. And what you see right there is the Holy Spirit being poured out on all flesh. A testimony of your students. If you have teenagers, it's always count. Testimony of the Lord moving and them praying for them. God moving on their hearts where they open up and express and talk about things that they may not ever talk to you about. That's the Holy Spirit moving and being poured out on all flesh. It may not seem like what you think you want to see. Sometimes we expect so much out of people. We think, well, I want my kid to be this. I want my kid to be that. I want my husband to be this. I want my spouse to be that. Hey, listen, man, I'm just thankful that my kids love Jesus. You know what? I'm not expecting them to memorize the whole Bible. I'm a pastor. I'm not expecting them to be a pastor. But what I love is if they tell me, hey, dad, I was thinking of this and I was praying for. That to me is an amazing testimony. Don't ever negate what God is doing in your kids. You may think, well, it's just one verse. Thank God for the verse. I heard a pastor one time, he was talking about this and he said, you know, he had a guy that was trying to teach all the students to memorize all these verses and stand up in school and preach the gospel and be this whole thing and revival in their schools and everything else. And just, you know, he said, well, did you ever do that? And he said, well, no. He said, well, I didn't either. He's got 10 of my friends to come to Christ when I was a kid in school. That's it. He said, I think that's pretty good, but there ain't many people doing that. And this is what he said. He said, if my kids get through youth group 
and they just know about one to ten scriptures by the time they leave, I'm going to be happy. Why? It's more about the impartation than it is about how much they can remember. What's the Holy Spirit doing in their life? That's what I want. So when I say all this to you this morning, this is the day of Pentecost. This is when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And this is also a part of the seventh piece of the armor of God. So this is what you would call the day of Pentecost. Y'all with me here? Y'all good? Y'all hot? Y'all need to stretch or anything like that? All right. Okay. I get Newberry's back. I'll get him up here to make y'all, you know, headbutt one of y'all, whatever. You know, we got to, you know, get you go. Wake up this morning. It's 1030, I know. But anyway, this day of Pentecost, it is the word Pentecost. And it just simply means penta, which is five. Pentecost is the 50th day is all it means. It is not a spiritual word at all. There's nothing spiritual about this word Pentecost or Pentecostal. Nothing. You say, well, are you degrading it? No, I'm not. I want to make it clear. There's nothing special about it. It is just a word that means 50. That's all it means. But the uniqueness of this, the word Pentecost, is this day that happened, it was the 50th day. 50th day from Passover. We just had Easter 50 days ago. But in their culture, it's called Passover. The Lord told them, on that day, you're to count from that day seven days, seven times seven, which means 49 days. You're supposed to count the day. And then on the 50th day, I want it to be a celebration. It's a first fruits. It's a celebration. And what Pentecost was, was a celebration of the giving of the Torah, if you will, the first five books in your Bible, the Mosaic Law, the Ten Commandments. They would celebrate this giving. They would, they, it was such a rejoicing thing. They would celebrate with what they called the Torah and scrolls. And they would celebrate all this. And then they would have rejoicing and all. They did this for years. Imagine this, when Malachi, the, the final thing that the Lord said for 400 years until the day of Christ, that no one heard from God. It was a voiceless time. The Lord didn't speak. But on this day, the 50th day, as they were celebrating the giving of the Torah, the Ten Commandments, all the things that God gave Moses, the Holy Spirit came And you know this to be true. This is what the Lord says in in the Old Testament. Think about it today. The Holy Spirit came, and when he came, he filled them all with his presence, his spirit. But as he did this, this went out through the known world to the point where now today, you don't have to have anyone preach to you. The Bible says, we know in our heart there is a creator. All you have to do is look at the sky and the trees and the earth and go, there is no way this just happened. We are too complex as a human. We can't even begin to understand the genetic and the DNA code that functions and operates in our body because it's so complex. We think we know, but we don't know. We know that in ourselves, God says, we know. There's no excuse. We know there's a creator. Because the Holy Spirit came on that day, and now everybody in this world knows. You don't have to preach to them. They know there's a creator. The day of Pentecost. Now, why is this so significant? So in Ephesians chapter 6, I'll read this to you in Ephesians chapter 6, and then we'll kind of move forward with this. But in Ephesians 6.10, let me give you the seventh piece of armor as we read this. And this is going to take a couple of Sundays going through this because I felt like the Holy Spirit, I really felt it prompted to to do this a little different. There's been so much crazy stuff happening the last couple of weeks. I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, hey, don't overrun this and, and take some time to really make this known to our church, this piece of armor. Okay, this was something that I had forgotten about. Honestly, the Holy Spirit prompted me. I forgot this. But at the beginning of the year, this one thing I'm about to share with you today is what he put on our hearts. We had about eight things, initiatives that we felt like we needed to do as a church. They weren't work initiatives. 
They were rebuilding initiatives and things that we felt were very important as a team that we've been working on. And one of these is what we're going to talk about today, and it's the seventh piece of armor. So in Ephesians 6.10, let's read it and let's look at it together. I'll put it on the screen for you. If you don't have a phone or a Bible, we'll put it on the screen. But I would encourage you, I would encourage you strongly. And I will try to go slower if need be. Bring a paper Bible or bring your phone, put it on your phone. But I want you to be able to read it yourself, not just on the screen. I want you to see it for yourself as well. But Ephesians 6, chapter 10, everybody with me? Y'all with me, right? Yeah, everybody good? Good. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God. Again, what is this? This is the armor of God, not the believer. I know I've said it before, but if you're watching a broadcast in the room, this is not your armor. This is God's armor. So when he tells you to put this on, this is not you. This is his, this is how he gives you the protection you need to fight against the enemy. So he says, you put on this full armor of God, so you'll be able to stand against the enemy or the schemes of the devil. For our struggle, listen guys, is not against flesh and blood. I want to make that clear because as we talk about this today, you'll have to fight against this thought. Your battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not your spouse that's the problem. It's not your coworker that's the problem. It is not even you that's the problem. It is the influence of the enemy and you're going to have to fight against him. But your war is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the powers, against the force, world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of weakness in the heavenly places. Therefore, you are to take up the whole armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, you stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Haley preached this. The number one thing before you go, you have got to have a firm foundation in God's word. Is the, Nothing else I say going forward. When I talk about this day, if you don't have this clear today, what I'm going to talk about to you today, this seventh piece of armor, you cannot use it effectively if you don't have the belt of truth. You will mess up stuff. I'm telling you, you will mess up stuff. If you don't have the truth right, the seventh piece of armor, you will use it to manipulate, you will use it to hurt, and it will not help people. Does it make sense? Why? Because if you don't know God's word, how can you wield his weapons effectively? And it is evident not only to the devil, it is evident to other people when you don't know the truth of God's word. Because when you say things, people tell me things that, well, I know this and I'm praying for that or I'm going to do this. I go, that's not scriptural. And they wonder why God doesn't move in their life because you don't know this. You've got to have the truth of God's word. We are such a vacant Christianity today. We don't even understand the basic theology. And I don't have the time to go through all of it. You're going to have to read stuff. The enemy, if you talk to people today, it is such a vacuum today of Christian, good foundational theology, basic principles of God's word. It is almost a bit, I don't say frightening, but it is very concerning. Very concerning. Ask people certain things and we talk and they, they don't know. I go, well, man, we, you know, I, we have so much available to us today podcasts, Bible apps, everything to hear and listen to. And we are more uneducated today about God's word than ever before. Because you want to tell you why? It's almost used as Google. You can Google anything you want to know and watch anything you want. That's fine if you're building birdhouses. <laughs> That's totally fine. You can watch it. Here's how you build a birdhouse. That's great. But in your time of need, you cannot go to Google and ask for help. 
What does God's word say about that? I'm telling you, it's going to be hard to fight if you don't know what he says. You're ever trying to put on armor and here's the enemy beating you. You're trying to put on stuff. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Coach Newberry, instead of my papa, father-in-law right now, think about his coach. Can you imagine him bringing this team out to play and they're not suited up and, here, and the whistle just blew and it's time to play the first play. Now suit up, boys, before we go. They just blew the whistle. Do you know how difficult that is? It's very difficult. So you've got to know the belt of truth. So he says, belt of truth is first. And Haley Priest said, go back and listen to it. It's online. And, and he says, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. All these are online. Go back and listen to every one of these. Having put your feet or shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, it's the difference between the belt of truth. I talked about it last week. Go back and listen to it. I don't have time to get into all that now. But those are six pieces of armor. Six things the Lord tells you to put on. But if you know anything about scripture, six is always the number of what? A man. Human. It's always reference to humanity. Whether good or bad. You've heard the one that's bad. Everybody knows the bad one, don't they? The six, six. Yeah, you heard, right? It's the one everybody's freaking out. It's the mark of the beast. Ah! And everybody's worried about the mark of the beast. Everybody's freaking out. Ah, what are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. Jesus is going to come back. I'm not worried about 666. I ain't worried about it at all. Who cares? Yeah, it's in there and it's there, whatever. But I'm more concerned about this. The king of kings. He, he's got all that figured out, okay? I don't need to figure it out. I, it's in there, but I'm not worried about it. You know why? Because my Jesus is stronger than anything else that comes out in this world. I'm going to trust him in the process. But six is always the number of men. If you know anything about the, and I'm just not talking about numerology, but in the Bible, in the Hebrew culture especially, numbers mean things. They are not just insignificant. And you know this even in your work week, the seventh day is supposed to be a day of rest. Even in our culture, most, most companies, not all, most give a seventh day somewhere off. And if they don't, you ought to have one. Well, if they don't, you tell them you, gotta, you need one. And if you say, well, my company didn't do that, well, that's no, find one that will. But the seventh day, typically, and even in our culture, in every other culture, we work by a seven-day week, do we not? Everybody uses it. Whether they take off or not, they all use seven days. And the seventh day is a perfect number. Yeah. I'm going to give you a couple of things. You may think, what does this have to do with the armor of God? Well, if you keep reading, you'll see in verse 18 the seventh piece of armor. With all prayer... And petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. So don't discredit people who pray in tongues. It's right there in your Bible. It's, I could give you, I could prove it and spin up here and fight and prove people all day long, but there's no sense in doing it. Because either A, you believe the Scriptures or you don't. Whether you pray in the Spirit or you don't pray is irrelevant. It is irrelevant to me. Paul says everybody can, so it's obvious you can. But it, I know not everybody will, and it's irrelevant to me. It's not a fight, and it's worth fighting, but I'm just telling you something. Don't discredit people who do. Because people who do may be praying for you. Because they don't know what they're praying. Y'all good with me? Y'all here? Y'all going home? Everybody's ready? But you don't know, they don't know what they're praying. They might be praying for you. I don't discredit them. Let them pray for me, baby. Let them roll. Rock and roll with it. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view... 
be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Prayer is the seventh piece of armor. There isn't, if it's six is all you got, you're working on your own. It's God's armor, but you don't have what you need. You need that seventh piece, which is the covering of prayer. So, well, I don't know how to pray real good. That, that, nowhere in the scripture does it say pray real good. Do you read anywhere in the Bible that says, now with all praying, make sure you pray real good and it sounds nice to everybody around you. Forget that mess. You stumble over it all day long if you have to. God, I, I, I don't know what to, to say. But I, the fact that you would just bow your head and close your eyes and just come before the throne of grace. Man, I'm telling you right now, heaven right there, all of a sudden they stop and they get an attention. What is he about to say? What is she going to say next? I don't know, but let's listen. I just pray that you'd help my children. Well, what do you want to help with? I pray that they would just know you and hear from you. Oh, now God says, oh, I can work with something now. It's the seventh piece of armor. You've got to pray it don't matter if you know how to pray. God doesn't say that. Just pray. But number, the number seven, let me just give you a couple of thoughts about this. Why this is so significant. In Genesis, if you read Genesis, I don't have to read all this, but in the creation. In six days, the Lord created the earth and all that's in it. But on the seventh day, he rested. And he called it a Sabbath, a Shabbat. It's a Sabbath day of rest. It is the Lord's day. It is not our day. It is the Lord's day. And he gifted you with a day so that you could rest. And listen to this. If God rested, and I don't mean you got to sit on your couch all day. You do whatever you do. Just don't work. Don't try to provide for yourself one day a week. Trust the Lord. He even said in every seventh day or every seventh year, that should be a, a rest for the Lord, a year of rest in their culture. This year is one of those years. It's an interesting time. I'm telling my team, I'm trying, even though we're doing camps and stuff we're doing, I'm not pushing our guys. I'm really not. I'm trying to actually back off and say, no, no, we're not doing that right now. I turned down more opportunities to do stuff this year. I just turned down another one yesterday. I'm not doing it. No, no, sorry. Why not? Why don't you be a part? Because I'm giving my church rest. What does that even mean? Giving them time. Why would you do that? I don't know. It just felt like the Lord told me to do it. I don't know why he's doing it. I'm just trusting him. Amen. Just trusting the Lord. Yeah, but what about, what about, what about? Well, what about? We're all so tense about this stuff. What about, what about, what about? I don't know. What about we just chill out a little bit? What about we just stop freaking out and watch what everybody's doing online? And just why don't you just go fishing? I don't know. Pick up a golf club or something. I can't play golf. Yeah. Well, if you're not a patient person, that might not be the thing for you to try. But um, go do something else. I don't know. Just chill out. Pick up that seventh piece of armor, which is prayer. In Exodus, let me show you this picture real quick before we head out here in just a minute. Let me show you this picture of, of this menorah. This is a, in, in, the, in the culture, um, this is a, not the best image. This is a replication. But it will give you an idea. But this is called a menorah. Now, if you've seen these before, this is a menorah, but there are two different kinds. This is the one that would be in the temple. This is the one that I'm referencing right now. But there's one in Hanukkah. It's totally different, and it's not replicated. In the Talmud, which is Jewish teachings and writings, kind of commentaries, uh, the priest would forbid the use of, of the menorah of the seven candlesticks, because any other 
because it was reserved for the Lord in his temple. That's why in Hanukkah, even though the Maccabees and they, you know, take, took back the temple, in Hanukkah when they celebrate, they don't use uh, seven candlesticks because they, they, they use more. They, I think it's eight or nine, but they don't, that, I think it's nine. They don't, um, they don't use it because out of respect and reverence for this. Here's the interesting thing. Seven is the number of God. It's the number of perfection. It's the number of completion. It simply means, it also means to have fullness and fatness in a good way. Not like you ate too much hamburger in a good way. It means like your crops are fat. I'm watching right now. I got all these grapes coming up on my vines and I didn't do anything. And I'm watching them going, man, I really want to eat those grapes. But here's the crazy thing. It took three years for them to really produce like this. Three years. Funny thing about the Bible says, it actually tells you to wait three years before you harvest it, when you plant it. I wouldn't, I didn't do that on purpose, but I'm looking at it going, God works even in things that we don't think about sometimes, his word works. It works. I got all these grapes growing. It means to have fullness, to have fatness. It's the seventh. But in this, it says this, that, that this Jewish menorah, there were six, three on each side, the one in the center is significant. Did you know that seven is a number that's only divisible by, it's the only unique number. It is so, you can't divide and make it um, match up with other numbers. It, it's uniquely designed by God. But in that middle one right there, it represents the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God. And how the Spirit of God came and he's present. Six days a man ought to work, but a seventh is reserved for the Lord. I'm going to leave this up there for you just, just so you can keep an eye on it while I tell you this. Last few things. In the book of Revelation, how many churches did Jesus give a word to? Seven churches. Seven is stamped by God. It is, it is significant in Scripture. Seven is always present with the Lord's marking on it. Let me give you this. Let me just give you one two scriptures on this and we'll wrap up, but why am I doing this? I want you to hear the point of seven, why it's important. Don't overlook prayer. When Jesus was speaking to his disciples about his death in Luke uh, 18, he says this in Luke 18, verse 31, watch this, the significance of six things and then watch the seventh kick in. It says, behold, we're going to Jerusalem. This is Jesus talking. And all the things that were written by the prophets concerning the son of man will be accomplished for he will be, watch this, number one, Delivered to the Gentiles. Number two, he will be mocked. Number three, he will be insulted. Number four, he will be spit upon. Number five, they will scourge him. And number six, they will kill him. That's all the things that men did to Jesus. But watch this. On the seventh thing. On the seventh one it says, and the third day he will rise again. Every time you see seven, it's the stamp of God on something. And he would never give you six pieces of armor to put into your life without giving you the seventh one. And I'm telling you this, you can put on that sword if you want to, and you can put the belt on if you want to, and you can strap on the breastplate if you want to, and get you a shield if you want to. But if you don't have prayer, it is irrelevant. That's why the truth is so important, because if you don't know God's word, you'll pray weird stuff. You'll pray weird stuff. You don't even know the situation. You start talking about stuff and praying stuff. And it's not even God's word. There's people, literally Christians who have prayed stuff like, God, I pray that you give me that person's spouse. 
Why would they do that? Because they don't understand God's word. You can't do that. But they'll pray it all day long. That's called manipulation. And if you want a better word for it, it's called Christian witchcraft. If you don't know the belt of truth, you can't even pray effectively. That's why it's so important. But this seventh piece, this seventh piece is not about eloquence. It is not about how good you are in the prayer closet. It's not about can you impress your friends down here at the altar. You're not called to be an an orator or some kind of a public speaking prayer person. That is not what God Jesus said for you to pray. Pick up that piece of armor and start praying for your family. I pull into my driveway sometimes and I just do that. Look, my family means everything to me. And sometimes I will pull in and I'll just stop at the back where I get mail. And I'll stop right there at the drive before I ever hit the pavement. And I'll say, Lord, I just ask you to, I ask you to move in my children. I thank you for my wife. My grandmother lives right beside me. I say, thank you for them. I thank you, Lord, that you have blessed my family. And I thank you that my children only follow you. And everything that they, I pray that they would only know you. It doesn't have to be long. That's about the end of it. I don't get real long-winded right there. I'm sitting in the driveway. They probably wonder what I'm doing. Many times I'm praying. Sometimes I pray and just say, God, just I pray that you take the burden that I have right now so that I don't bring that to my family's home. Sometimes when you get off work, guys, you need to just let some stuff go. You don't necessarily need a man cave. Nothing wrong with it if you got one. What you need is some prayer time. Just release some of that to the Lord and let him do his work by the Holy Spirit. So these prayer, this area of prayer, I'm going to wrap up with this, uh, this last little thought here in Psalm. Psalm chapter 12 and verse 1, it says this. It says, help, Lord, for the godly man ceases to be. For the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. They speak falsehood to one another. Look at all the talking that goes on. And doesn't this sound like today? Boy, with flattering lips and with a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all their flattering lips. May the tongue that speaks great things who have said with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are groaning or are, are our own. Who is Lord over us? Doesn't that sound like today? It's not just like today. Because of the devastation of the afflicted. Because of the groaning of the needy. Watch this. Now I will arise, says the Lord. I will set him in the safety for which he longs. Watch verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace on the earth, watch this, refined seven times. Seven is always God moving in something. But he needs you to move with him, and it's in prayer. So in Ephesians 6, 18, as we close, Paul says to you, you want to know what the seventh piece of armor is? It is this. With all prayer. All prayer. We're going to talk about the next couple weeks. There's different kinds of prayer. There is. There's actually seven different types of prayer in the Bible. (laughs) So cool. It's so cool. I'm going to take a couple of them each week. We're going to go through them. It's seven different types of prayer in the Bible. And you may be thinking, oh, man, it's prayer. I'm going to tell you something. It ought to be the Sunday that you attend unless you're on vacation. This ought to be the next couple of Sundays you don't miss. If you're watching our broadcast right now, you ought to be available for this one. Because prayer is the most important thing you could do. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Now, there's different kinds of prayer, and I want to show you this. Uh, my father-in-law's here, so he could probably, uh, 
he probably explains a lot better than I do. But as we wrap up, I'm not getting old. It was just a little stretch there. <laughs> but but he knows this, and this thing's worn out, Papa. But like I don't, kids torn this thing to pieces. But everybody knows what this is, right? Can y'all tell me what this is? It's a what? I'm, I'm letting you go in just a minute. I just want you to see it before we go. It's a what? Football. football. Now, watch this. I ain't even talking to Newberry. Look, watch him. That, I, he, I didn't tell him, but that man right there, you get a football, he's, I, mean, I wouldn't line up against him right now for nothing. I would bet money on the table if anybody wanted to line up against him. I'd bet, I'd put my money on him over you any day right now, man. That's no joke. That's a football. My little, my middle child, she plays a little basketball. This thing's, it's, it's worn out. It goes outside. It's a, is a what? What is it? It's a basketball, Nicole. Grab that, would you? Oh, he got it. Okay, good. I was worried, man. This is, uh, now the, I've read this. This is hilarious. It says, these are Pro-Vs. If you could, how many guys play golf in here? Okay. Anybody know what a Pro-V is? Raise your hand. There's one, two. Those guys really play golf. If they know what this is, they play golf. These are some of the most expensive golf balls you ever find in your life. And no joke. This is what it says. Total performance. At Titleist, that requires advanced technology and precision manufacturing to give golfers what they need to execute every shot. The new Titleist Pro V1 golf ball is designed for maximum distance, the best short game to control to help all golfers shoot best scores. That's bull crap. I'll tell you right now, that's a bunch of bull. That's marketing genius is what that is. Unless those guys that play golf. Like that right there, them guys know that it works for them because you know why? They know how to play that game. It don't matter if I play with this or one that I found on the side of the creek. I'm going to hit about the same because I don't. But those guys that raise their hands, it changes for them because they know how to use it. Now, let me just, why did I just say that? If you guys know I'm putting that last little image up about prayer, <clears throat> there are seven types of prayer we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks. I just want to see you now before you go, okay? If you don't mind putting up the um, little image there about, there's six types of prayer, if you guys have that one. <clears throat> there we go. What you see is there's six types of prayer we're going to talk about. So what does that have to do with this? I'll tell you just a second. Six types of prayer. There's the prayer of consecration. There's the prayer of petition, a prayer of authority, a prayer of agreement, a prayer of commitment, and a prayer of thanksgiving. Six things that we see that are in prayer. And then there is a seventh. And we're going to talk about this one too. The seventh one is praying in the spirit. Those first six you can do on your own. But the seventh one you cannot do unless the Holy Spirit helps you. Now you say, well, I don't know about that or not. It doesn't matter. If, if the Holy Spirit's going to help you pray, whether it be you pray in tongues or you don't, if you're going to have the help and the unction of the Holy Spirit, you can't do it without Him. Either way. So why is this important? What does that have to do with these? Because prayer is like this. If I take a basketball and I go with Ricky to try and play golf with a basketball, is that not going to be weird? He's going to look at me like, come on, man. What, what are you doing? If I take golf balls and I go with Pastor Ronnie and I say, hey, man, I, I want to play some football, and I bring golf balls to the thing, he's going to show me how to play football with a golf ball. First of all, he's probably, he's probably going to kick me off the field. He's probably like, you're not even go away because it doesn't work. If you take prayer and you say it's all the same, it doesn't work. And if you don't know the different types of prayer and you're trying to pray stuff, it's not going to work. 
You need to know the difference. Use the right thing for the right sport. Take the right. They're all balls. Football, basketball, golf ball. They're all balls. But they have a different purpose, don't they? Prayer has a different purpose too. So today before we go, I want to pray for you. And I want you to come back next couple of weeks. I want you to hear about these different types of prayer. We're going to talk about them because I'm telling you, there's nothing more important right now. The, what you're seeing around you, upside down, the world, I really feel like right now, if you need, it's prayer. You want to see it? We need to pray for not just our church. We need to pray for our government. We need to pray for our nation. Pray for the world right now. We need prayer. And that ought to be something that rings true to you. It shouldn't be something right now you're thinking, gosh, Pastor Joseph, I wish you'd hurry up because prayer is not that big a deal. I wish you'd help me with this. Well, this should be number one. It really ought to be. Stop us in our tracks and pray. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads just for a moment? And if you're here today and you're saying, well, hey, Pastor Jody, I don't know. I'm not sure about all this. I don't even know how to pray. I've never prayed. That's okay. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you from God's word. Right now, I just want you to receive as I pray for you. Whatever it might be that's on your heart, Lord Jesus, I ask you right now that you would comfort people in this room. Lord, that you speak a word to their heart. God, I don't know what all they're dealing with. Don't know what they have on their plate. God, I don't know the cares or concerns or worries that they're carrying. I don't know the burdens that they, that they bear right now. Maybe other people don't know either. Maybe they feel alone. Maybe they feel like, God, they are on their own. But I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you comfort them? Would you give them peace? And would you remind them of the truth of who you said they were in Scripture? Would you give them a word in due season, Lord, to help them in this situation? And God, I pray if there's anybody here or anybody watching online right now on broadcast, maybe they have never committed their life to Jesus. They've been listening, searching, and asking, but they have yet to profess the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. God, I ask you right now to touch their heart as we pray. And if that's you in this room with your eyes closed, no one's looking around right now, but if it's you or you're watching on broadcast, Would you simply just repeat this after me? The whole church is going to pray. You're not going to be by yourself. The whole church is going to pray with you right now. Would you just repeat this after me? Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I surrender my life. I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness, Lord. And I profess you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, would you give my hand right now, please? That's so cool, man. If you pray that, we're so proud of you. If you're online right now, cornerstonerome.com, you can fill that out and let us know. We'll help you get started walking with Christ. If you're in this room, same thing. There's a card in your seat back you can fill out or you can fill it out online. Either way, we'd love to hear from you and help you get started walking with Christ. You can drop in the offering box on your way out the door or you can fill it out online, but we'll help you get started any way we possibly can. If you're a guest with us today, we're glad you're here. So glad you showed up and came out today. Man, thanks for coming. Give me a hand, would you please, right now? We'd love to hear from you as well. There's a card, same card. You can do the same thing. Just tell us you're a guest. Man, we'd love to hear from you. Get started, you know, give you information about the church you need, whatever you might need like that. Um, I'll be down front. If you need to get with me after church, you want to say hello or you need anything, um, we'll also have a prayer team that'll be down front and pray with you. If you guys don't mind standing this morning with us together, um, just one couple of things I'm going to share with you before I pray and let you go. 
Uh, we do have Catch the Vision coming up here in the next 10 minutes. If you want to be a part of that, just tell you about the church, what we're about, where we're going, those kind of things. If you want to stick around for that, I'll be here. And I'll be sharing some things with that. It takes about 30 minutes and to go through some of those things. Um, but before you go, I have a prayer team coming down front. If you guys don't mind, those of you who are on our prayer team this week, they're coming down and they'll be here to pray with you. Whatever you need, let's be a house of prayer. Jesus said, my house should be a house of prayer. Thank you very much. It's a house of prayer. Come on, let's say it together like we know the answer. It's a house of prayer. That's right. So we ought to pray for one another. So before we go, if you need prayer, they're down here. Let them pray with you about whatever. Before we go, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you his peace. God bless you guys so much. You're dismissed. We'll see you next week. If you need prayer, come on down front. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.